Welcome back to another episode of the Modern Multifamily Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Wolber, and today was a super fun and unique conversation. I was lucky to have Courtney Smith and Matt Rudlinger on the show today. They are the co-founders of Apartments on the Go, which is one of the original multifamily podcasts. Courtney is also the director of marketing at Barrett and Stokely, and Matt is the founder and CEO over at Triple R Marketing. So needless to say, these are two industry leaders that had a ton of insight. In the show, we talk through what it's like to start and run an industry podcast, learnings they've made along the way, and tips for those that are looking to start their own podcast, whether that is in or outside of the industry. This is a fun conversation, chocked full of takeaways, and I hope you enjoy. Let's get into it. All right, well, Matt and Courtney, I am super excited to have you both on today and your fellow co-hosts, industry leaders in the space. And I'd love to start off with just brief introductions, who you are and what you're up to. But thanks for joining me. Thanks for I don't know us. where to start. <laughs> I got nervous. Did you get nervous, Matt? <laughs> yeah, but this is like reverse role, right? <laughs> it's funny being on the interviewee seat. I'll tell you that for sure. Courtney, why don't we start with you? Who you are, <laughs> what you're up to, get to know you a little bit. Yes, I'm Courtney Smith, co-host of Apartments on the Go. I also work in multifamily housing um, and marketing. Oh, and my watch is talking to me. Sorry about that. And I just feel like this is going to be so fun today to talk about, you know, podcasting and what's happening in the podcasting world. It's one of, you know, Matt and I's most recent addictions, I guess you would say, (laughs) um, obsessions. I'm just happy it's like almost summertime here. But what about you, Matt? You go. Uh, yeah, the other half of Apartments on the Go, Matt Rulinger, I'm also the CEO of Triple R Marketing, and we work in multifamily industry. We have an online platform, internal processes. But uh, yeah, super excited about being here. This is going to be a lot of fun and just, uh, you know, rub shoulders and share some insights. Well, I'd love to kind of go back to the beginning. Apartments on the Go has been two plus years. Uh, I think you're getting close to maybe 90 episodes. And I'd love to hear kind of the story of how it was born, the idea, how the two of you got matched up. I'm not sure who wants to take that first kind of part, but I'm really interested in hearing the the beginning because you are one of the OGs in multifamily podcasting. Well, I want Matt to start because this was truly his like idea and why he initially started it. So I want him to take this one. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> uh, you know, I've known Courtney for several years. Uh, we've worked together for, gosh, probably five or six years at least, if not more. And we've become really good friends. And just any anyone who's in an industry is always competitive, right? So I wanted to sort of start bridging the gap of not just becoming a supplier, but a partner. And I, I've always felt like that the best way is to become part of the industry and what can we do to help educate and get in front of others. And that's where the idea, I mean, that's where the idea of the podcast came from. And I uh, was talking to Courtney about it, like, hey, you know, got ideas for this podcast, this, you know, a 360 approach, not really specifically just the marketing, but just could be not reach anyone and just sound like a lot of fun. And I know we talked about it for about a year back and forth about how we were going to do this, what kind of format was it going to do, what we were going to have on it. And then, I mean, obviously when COVID hit right around there, it was like, all right, this is perfect timing, right? So we fired it up and haven't looked back since then. Has it always been the two of you? I believe going back to that first episode, you were both on number one with Amanda, but has it always been the two of you? It's always been us, except for uh, Tara uh, Samuels did a couple reverse role episodes for us uh, where she interviewed us. But yeah, it's always been the two of us. 
during the episodes. Well, minus two episodes that Matt took for me when I had back surgery. <laughs> That's right. We we figured that maybe me on some medication wasn't going to be the best for the show. So he he did take two two episodes on his own. <laughs> it could have been That's interesting, right. you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested in this is kind of a loaded question, but Courtney, you represent the client, you know, operator side of our industry. Matt, uh, notorious, you know, known leader on the supplier vendor side, just like me. Did either of you have a goal that you were hoping to achieve in terms of the benefit this would have to your personal businesses or even your personal brands stepping into podcasting or or was it an open-ended when you stepped in? Well, you kind of nailed it. I mean, Matt really sold me on the idea of a personal brand and truly just being able to connect with people. I, you know, you had mentioned Amanda, we know a lot of people, but this has allowed us to do is connect with even more. I mean, gosh, we have met so many interesting people that we still stay in touch with and that then bring us even more people to talk to. And I think that's the beauty of it. It was like truly the connection and being able to, um, you know, I work in multifamily, but I'm out there learning just like everyone else. (laughs) And that's truly like my passion is like, what's next? And you know, where's the tech and how can we tie something in? And I think that's like really what sparked it for me. What about you, Matt? Anything you'd add? Yeah. So like, I think originally the idea was definitely to be, become a partner in the industry and not just a supplier. I think back of how we got, you know, where how our company's got where it is today and it's through partnership and working together with others and just, you know, doing things like that. So that's kind of where it started, but it evolved it's evolved into a passion project more than anything. So yeah, it's great. You know, that we, uh, we obtaining business through it, stuff like that sometimes, but it's really just really awesome to hear, especially people that are new in the industry. They'll say, well, we've listened to your podcast and we've learned so much about the industry through that. And it's helped us grow and things like that. And that's the motivation I think that we get now out of it more than, more than anything. And, you know, even when someone's needing something that I personally love that, you know, do you have a recommendation, you know, through the people you've interviewed and, you know, should we do this or can you introduce us to that person? And I think that, I mean, there's, that's really an honor someone come to you like for that. So started more of a relationship builder, but it's become passion project for sure. That's cool. I, I definitely think that the media library you can build out is really cool when you look back and, you see the dozens of people, the the stories, the the minutes recorded that are now hours, if not days, probably of content. And I think about like our company's onboarding and a lot of people we hire do not come from the industry. And you're one of the first resources I point new people to the industry towards, you know, go listen to these couple things and you'll learn about our clients. You'll learn about our vendor partners. You'll learn about the challenges that we're trying to solve in the industry. And it's so cool to be contributing to that, you know, around the space now together. Oh my gosh. She like nailed it. I feel like it's like our industry is super unique and it's really, it's a complex thing to explain to people. Um, And I think that was a lot of our initial conversations were just like, how do we get all of these great industry people out more publicly? The one episode that I'm tempted to do, it would be a solo episode is just me, like 30 minutes, just acronyms, just like spending like 30 (laughs) minutes, just demystifying like NOI, cap rate, occupancy, vacancy, residents, tenants, like all of the nuances, because depending who you talk to, like there's so many things that you need to know what to say, what not to say. That's like, like the one one-on-one episode I've toyed with maybe recording down the road. Oh my gosh, you should. And now trade out. That's like the big word I keep hearing. You definitely should. <laughs> I think this is important. <laughs> hey, Matt, when you 
started off, you talked about spending quite a bit of time, maybe even upwards of a year before starting the podcast. And I'm, I'm really curious what the evolution has been from idea to now really having a what looks like a well-oiled machine. What's that evolution been like from going from an idea to those first couple episodes to now seemingly this like production engine you have? What's that been like? I mean, it's actually been pretty smooth. I mean, I think I think your perception on what you're wanting out of it and not overcomplicating it can definitely uh, make the difference. I think originally the biggest challenge, I guess, was, okay, what's our show going to be like? Are we going to try to make it perfect? Are we going to be casual? Are we going to, are we going to be specific to, you know, a certain audience in the industry and, you know, just kind of like who are our listeners going to be? I think figure that out was probably the biggest challenge. And then once we started, are we going to stick with that game plan? Because the things do evolve as you're going. And um, as we got going, I don't know, it's important. You can jump in there too. I'd say within a couple of months, we were kind of realized, okay, this is, we like where we've started. We're going to stick with this path, you know, and, and, and you're going to evolve in how you do the interviews too. We laugh, like go back and listen to your first interview, your first podcast <laughs> and listen to your latest one. And you're like, oh my gosh, what has happened? But you, you do evolve. You know, I think one of the, the important things is, is if you're, you know, doing the podcast is focus on the quality and not the quantity, because that's where you, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that's where the, uh, recognition comes in and where people start really uh, noticing what you're doing. Totally. Yeah. And I think the the biggest evolution for us truly in the beginning, we wrote like very scripted content. You know, we were doing a lot of research, not that we don't anymore, but we were doing a ton of research and really scripting stuff out. And I think we just wanted to make sure we were bringing everything to our audience that they wanted. We kind of steered away from that probably like fairly early on in the first couple of months we realized, you know, some people still really like that scripted, but, you know, we went to like, if someone wanted something, we were like, here's a potential of four to five questions we're going to throw out. And, and that was really it. And I think that kind of helped us change for more authentic content too. I think that's awesome. And I think that that like progress over perfection mindset, but also that like authenticity mindset is important. In the early days for me, I was editing all of the episodes on my own and I would listen for like, um, and, uh, and I would like really try to like filter it out and I'd go back and I'd listen and it would be like, that is not what the conversation sounded like. And then what I found is, you know, if someone had a total like word explosion or coughed or whatever, like we could cut those kinds of things out. But some of that authenticity, authenticity was like the best part of the podcast and conversations going where they are supposed to go is a huge part of a good conversation. So I, I think that learning is probably a really powerful one, but also one that many other hosts have learned themselves. Oh yeah. I think there was one time we were at, at the beginning because I just totally butchered the name. We don't edit. Believe it or not, we do not edit the episodes. We just run them as they are. Even, I mean, I'm I'm notorious for mispronouncing something during, you know, the introduction. I'm great at it, but we just, we just roll with it because that's who we are. Yep. I mean, if you talk to me, you know, outside the podcast, talk to Courtney, that's you're going to get the same people that you're hearing there in, you know, in a regular conversation with us. And that's, I think that's what we wanted on ours. Yeah. I mean, so I think that's the fun part. And just, you know, one thing I think that's, you know, being organic and not scripting, 
I mean, that's something that we learned, I think, you know, as well. But I think in the beginning it was needed. But I think as you continue to go, you kind of learn to get your the people you're interviewing to talk more. Because and also it just depends on who you're interviewing as well. So, you know, I think there's some art, there's an art to learning. And um, just be patient with that. You'll, you, you'll get it. I'm curious how you handle guests. Do you find yourself doing a lot of the outreach on your own? To find guests, do you get a lot of inbound? Is it a little bit of both? The guest piece is what I'm still trying to figure out on my end because I do get a lot of people that ask and sometimes it doesn't totally fit the narrative for my show, but it's hard because I'm a people pleaser, but I'm curious how you guys handle the guests because you seem to have like a who's who lineup on your show. That could just be that the power of Courtney and Matt combined is pretty incredible, but I'd love to hear how you're handling guests and kind of the whole um, lineup and, and content piece. That's also evolved. I think, you know, initially it was a lot of, you know, we, we knew the people that we knew and those, that's how we wanted to start off. And I think we really do vet for, you know, what value can you bring to our show? So that was like our main piece was like, if someone came to us and asked, can we come on? We would say, you know, what value do you think you can bring to our audience? And so that's really how, how we would make those decisions. Matt, did you want to throw anything else in there? There was a kind of interesting, a friend of mine, Donald Kelly, who has the sales evangelist, and he actually was a guest on our show, you know, and he even, um, he's a great friend of mine as well. But, you know, he, he was talking one time when they were looking at the stats on their show, when they would have more uh, people that would outreach to come on the show versus when they would outreach to find the guests, they found the quality of the show were kind of night and day. Like Courtney said, you know, originally we, you know, we still do outreach and ask individuals to come to the show because we're listening to the industry. And when someone's doing something that's, you know, unique or really, you know, groundbreaking even or just a different thought process, we want to get them on there and share that information. But we, we still get, I mean, we get requests all the time to come on the show and sometimes we do. And sometimes we don't, I mean, yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It is, you know, but we want to stay original, you know, staying original to what our show is about and what we want to present. Like, if you know, we love bringing on vendors, too, and we want them to talk about their product, but we want them to provide value as well, industry value into the shows. Yeah, that's so huge. I'm curious if you ever have, like, explored just having Matt and Courtney jump on and riff. Have you ever picked a topic and just, like, chatted? Like, you're too who's who's in my mind. And you, you've been in the space for a long time. You have opinions. And I think about consumption, like some of my favorite non-industry podcasts. Oftentimes, I don't really care about the person that they're interviewing. I care about the point of view of the hosts that I subscribe to. Have you figured out a way to kind of get your perspectives and point of views through in the podcast? So it's not just about the guests, but also about your you know, narrative and your, your ethos and vision? Oh gosh. I feel like a lot of ours are really conversational. So I feel like we do chime in. We did one episode, which we need to probably do again, that was super successful, but we actually just talked about books that we have read and that our guests have read. We really liked that one. That was really widely listened to as well. No, I don't know. We have, we, have we thought about that, Matt? I know. Well, Tar did the interview of us just to kind of give an insight. And I'll be honest, I didn't think that was going to be one of our top listened episodes. And those are two of our top listened episodes. And the episode we did was called What They Read. 
and we talked about, we reached out to the guest about like Courtney said, the books, and that is still one of our top listened to, I mean, it still gets hits every month. And that's been, I think that was like episode 25. I mean, it was, it's been a while back, but you know, it's, it's just a different insight. So yeah, we, we, we've talked about doing that again, but for sure. We'll have yes. to, cause the, even the book idea came from similarly, like we had multiple people that would reach out to us and be like, Hey, what book did so-and-so mention in their episode? We had that happen to both of us multiple times. And we were like, maybe we just need to summarize these books for everyone. <laughs> we actually ask now when they book, what book led you to where at? So we have a, we have a really nice library of individuals that books that's inspired them. So for that reason, I think that's really cool. And that's like super unique. That's a fun story that I never would have known without asking you. This is kind of brass tacks. And if it's not interesting, we can skip it. But I'm a nerd when it comes to tech. My favorite thing up front was the gear. I loved like investing in mic and audio and got a little better webcam and stuff. But would you be comfortable kind of walking through your stack? Like kind of the, some of the things that you're using respectively to run the show, whether it's the recording software, the microphone, what you're using to host. Like that's a question I get all the time. And I'd, I'd love to hear that and maybe poke some holes and you can do the same with me. Yeah. So we pretty made us really, uh, I mean, we had, I know Courtney's using one of the, uh, oh, was the blue, blue Yeti? Yep, the blue. The classic blue. Check it out. Oh, <laughs> but, look, at, it is. It's, yeah. It is a classic. This is an, eight, the, it's, it's an, an ATR 2100X. I'm telling you, it's, a, it's an inexpensive microphone and it is as good as anything out there. Hands down. I kid you not. We just record on Zoom. Ditto. Okay. We, I, I we, tried we, the we, fancy ones and I didn't like them. Yeah. And so we did that. Now, when we were, when we were at this last time before that at AIM, we brought a, a Yamaha and I can get the model number, the a mixing mixer so that we could do them all live and, you know, dump the files into the computer. But as far as that, I mean, that's really it. These microphones, a zoom account. And actually, as far as like, you know, even the editing, we take the, the intro and once we're done and it saves that file, because like, like I said, we don't edit, mm-hmm. drop it in iMovie and export it and we're done. That's it's done crazy. Like, it's just like done and and I'm done in like less than 10 minutes. Episode's ready to go. And I convert the uh, M4 file to MP3 and then um, it's done. And then where do you publish? Like what, what do you guys use to publish to the different directories and to see your downloads and like all the fun data stuff you get? We use Libsyn. There's some setup that goes into Lipson, but once you have that done, it feeds it out to all the outlets. I mean, like we're on Pandora, iHeart, got your Apple and all, all those. It publishes them all and then we put them on the site. So we, we it gives us all the data, all the downloads. I mean, we do a pretty, you know, we do a lot of posting on LinkedIn of the episodes. So we'll look at Google Analytics for sites hit, of the episodes hit. But that's, I mean, really it's pretty quick and painless. It's cool. I think you can over-engineer the podcast pretty easily, or you can just like grab your phone, bang it out, and have a good episode pretty quickly that probably performs just as good like we talked about earlier. That's cool. Yeah, what about you? When I first started for Christmas 2020, my in-laws got me the Blue Yeti mic with the boom, and like it was like the cool setup, and I used that for the first year. And then I started getting a couple asks for doing in-person podcasts, and I was super excited to do that as an extrovert. So I got three of these cardioid mics, like the one that Matt's using. It's called a Samson Q2. They're 80 bucks on Amazon with the XLR cable. And I actually like this one more for a day-to-day. So I use this for my daily podcasts and 
I use this whenever I'm doing like a group conversation because it has the mic that can catch all of the audio. I tried some of the bougie, like super specific recording platforms. I think it's like Riverside and there's some other ones like that. And if your guests don't stay on long enough after you'd lose the episode. <laughs> and so I lost a couple episodes. So I just switched back to Zoom. Zoom is great and it's working just fine. And then aside from recording, I use Descript for my editing, which is kind of a fancy version of like GarageBand. It records the audio, turns it to text so you can edit the text. But similar to Matt, I kind of stopped doing the actual editing for that stuff. And then I've never heard of Lips and I'm using Buzzsprout. So Buzzsprout is okay. what I'm using for publishing. And then I get download data through them directly. And I only promote on LinkedIn. So similar to you, I use analytics for LinkedIn and then for the show download, show listens and downloads. And then I'll go to the specific directories to, to see how many subscribers I have. I love that metric. Yeah. And the, and the nice thing about Buzzsprout, right? Yeah, Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout. I, oh, I looked in that as well. And you know, the thing with Lipson is once you sync all these up, but they'll even create the accounts. You can actually do like a checklist of the different platforms that you may not even heard of. And it will set them up like, uh, like we're on Spotify as well. So, you know, like once you get those set up on there, it feeds them to all these. And you don't even, you just put one, you, you upload one episode and it takes care of all of it. And I think we spend for the, the size that the amount we have, it's like, $20 a month. I mean, it's not yeah, like I'm on their website. That's crazy. <laughs> it's nothing. I mean, it's a no brainer. And I think, you know, if you're going to get into a podcast, the less stress you can make it, the more you're going to do it because you want to have, you want to spend your time doing the, you know, doing the interviews and the podcast, not we'll have to worry about all that other stuff to go with it, to get it out there. So the lips and thing I, is uh, fantastic. And I know that, you know, depending on where you want to go, I think, iHeart requires, there's some things if you're trying to get there, iHeart requires like two months of, uh, you have to have a podcast. And I think Pandora is a little, was a little more intense getting, but I mean, just a matter of time. So many episodes or something like that. Yeah. They needed like my social security number and stuff. It was like super intense with, with Pandora. I don't remember what it was. was but I, remember, it? I don't know. I'm probably kidding, but I remember Blood it feeling time? intense, <laughs> <laughs> but majority for me is I get most of my listens on Apple decent on Spotify. And then I do get it quite a few through the Google and, and Pandora apps, which always surprises me. I think part of that's SEO too. I think when you search for multifamily podcasts, your show ranks, so does mine. I think you see stuff come through that way. I'd love to end with kind of a, a conversation on like advice for people looking to get started. I'm curious if either of you have been asked from industry friends about what it's like to start a podcast or if they should, because I get that question at least once a week. I feel like we probably <laughs> have been asked once a week too. We only had multiple people like similarly for you. Like we have had multiple people that have been like, all because you talked to me through podcasting, I decided to start my own podcast. And that's like probably the greatest thing for both of us because I mean, I honestly owe all of this to Matt too. He, you know, when he said we talked for a year, it was because at first I was like, no one wants to hear my voice. No one cares what I have to say. You know, no one's interested in this. <laughs> and he was totally right. And I was totally wrong. So I'll just publicly say that for you. Matt. <laughs> Thank you. Can, can I have you say that to ask for, for a few other people to say? <laughs> sure. Whatever you need it. I mean, I, uh, I feel like we've said a lot of value, you know, get started, don't overcomplicate it. 
I definitely feel like we're early in podcasting when you compare it to other mediums where you can consume content. But do you guys agree? Like, I feel like even in the world of our nuanced vertical and industry of multifamily, I still feel like high high growth operators, smart and trusty people on the technology side, there still feels like there's room for more conversations. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's plenty of room. I think you should be intimidated by other podcasts. I mean, obviously, I think we, you know, we kind of like, oh, we're going to get into some other area, but I think you just do it. I think you have to know why you're starting a podcast. What's your goal with it? And who's your audience? And just focus on that and not worry about what else is out there. Because just because someone has a podcast out there doesn't mean it's going to be better than yours. Or, you know, maybe you can collaborate together like we're doing here. I mean, there's just so much opportunities. I wouldn't overthink it and just get started. Don't try to be perfect and jump in. I mean, that that's would be my advice if you're thinking about it. Just and have fun with it. That's cool. To end, I'm curious if you guys have any questions for me. We've had a good dialogue so far, but anything that's top of mind or, I mean, I'm on the other side, but we're in the same, same genre together. Yeah. What, I mean, I want you to talk about, you know, what got you started and what helped you get over the like fear of starting. (laughs) (laughs) I um, was on your episode, your show kind of early. And I'd say that when I transitioned from G5 to rent dynamics, I was at G5 for six years And I really built like my industry identity around being a G5 evangelist. I was really nervous that when I moved companies and I moved states, I moved my family to Utah, that in the eye of the market, I was going to lose some authenticity because I'd been the storyteller for G5 as we grew from small to very big. And I was just nervous that people would lose trust, that I'd been the guy at G5 and all of a sudden you're going to go try to be the guy at Rent Dynamics. And so my like, I'd say like thoughtful answer to this, Courtney, is that I thought it would be cool to start something that was totally mine, not my company's, that I could use as my new thing to like storytell and amplify other people's voices, my voice, to kind of give my network and my friends time to like have a a space or a gap, if you will, between G5 and Rent Dynamics. And, you know, now a year and a half into running the show and a year and a half into being Rent Dynamics, they're a lot more integrated than I thought they would be. But I also feel like it gave me an opportunity to kind of build a new audience on social and uh, new people, new customers that I've met through the podcast. And it's also been a really cool way to keep sharpening the skill set of conversation that I sort of lost sight of during the pandemic because I love public speaking and now getting back on stage this year for the couple of times I have so far, those skills definitely improved just by running these kinds of conversations all the time. So probably more word barf than you were expecting or looking for in the answer, but that's kind of the story for me on on getting started and, and really having it be mine, not my company's was a big, big intention for me too. I love that. I think you hit something there that sometimes you don't think about though. You start a podcast, depending what you're doing, it will keep you on your A game on what's going on in the, in, in the industry. So, you know, if you're just like, how do you stay ahead of the step? And like, you know, like, like you said, Mike, you're in the things that you're doing, even with your work and just creating your own brand by, ha- you know, having these conversations, it's keeping you intact with what's going on and, and kind of get your brain thinking, get yep. you thinking of things as well. So I think there's a, an effect from, you know, doing this as well. Yeah. yeah and especially you in Utah, I mean, we always say, I always say this, but the Midwest, we do things a lot slower. And so you are probably like, I know you're technically two hours ahead of us, but that probably makes you like two years ahead of like what we're doing. 
So it's even more important for you, you know, because we're learning from that. Like we're learning from what, what's happening out in Utah and California and all of those States. And so I think like, it's not ever like it goes, it gets old. Even Matt and I refer to some of our first early episodes that are still super relevant. It's so funny how trends like that aren't just industry specific, but regional, like there are regional trends whether it's tech or interests or even things like podcasting, it's so weird how segmented our country can be, our industry can be with that stuff. Cause you, you are so spot on on that. Yep. Well, you guys have been super fun guests and I'd love to wrap with just a call to action for the audience. If they want to get in touch with you personally to learn more about the show or to pitch their value for your audience as maybe a future guest, what's the best way for someone to get in touch personally, but also for the show? Well, our, Website is apartmentsonthego.com. Am I right about that? Hopefully. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then um, personally, probably LinkedIn. There's probably a ton of Courtney Smiths. So, but I'm the one with red hair. And then, um, or C Smith at barronstokely.com. Pretty easy. Yeah. And I'm on LinkedIn as well. Uh, Matt Rudlinger. There is actually another Matt Rudlinger. It spells the exact same. No way. <laughs> there is. And I've, I've talked to him. I was like, you know, we have the same name. He does these big tower projects. So there's two. <laughs> Look for the one with Triple R Marketing, connect with us and, and you know, feel free to, my, my email is Matt at triplermarketing.com and you can reach out to myself or Courtney um, if there's interest on the show and we'll just kind of take it from there. All right, well, I'll include it all in the show notes. You know, the, you know the story since you're both pros. Thanks a ton and we'll chat soon. Thank you so much, Mike. Thank you. 